You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, it's October 9th, 2017. You're listening to episode 28. Oh, I forgot a zero. It's 280. 280. My name is Rob. Jason is sitting across the table with me. Hey. Hey. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful, beautiful day in October today. Uh, uh, so beautiful that we just we just had to share it with somebody. You know, we just, just couldn't help leaving today to be just the two of us. We needed to invite somebody on the show. We just... We just we just felt it. We felt an urge. And coincidentally, we know this guy. We know this guy? We know this guy, right? I think so. Yeah, we know this guy who's, who's he's kind of a friend of mine. You know, a friend of ours, really. Uh, 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 somebody we know pretty well. Somebody who also happens to have Kickstarter launching. Uh, uh, I think that was tomorrow. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a nice coincidence, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we have All a line. coincidence. Yeah, purely a coincidence. We have a line with us. Uh, we have Evan Derrick from Van Rider Games. Hi, Evan. Hey, glad I could just, you know, accidentally stumble into this podcast recording <laughs> session. Yeah, it's so nice that you just happen to be available this evening. So thanks so much for taking the time out of your evening. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. it's great to have you back. Last time you were on, uh, we were we were talking about the launch of Saloon Tycoon, I think. And yes. uh, we were talking about graphic design. And uh, and gosh, that went well, didn't it? I I, I remember that conversation fondly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that whole that whole uh, Kickstarter thing with that game, and then the expansion also went pretty well. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. it's a good thing you're on the show. It barely funded, just barely, yeah. just barely funded. Uh, so barely, just barely. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I don't mean to bury the lead here. I, I mean, uh, the the big exciting thing is is what you guys have going up uh, tomorrow. Tell us about that. Yeah. So tomorrow we have uh, our the biggest game uh, Van Ryder games has uh produced yet uh it's called it's a game that i designed yeah uh funny how we're publishing uh, i'm publishing one of my own games it's kind of like you know the ultimate and uh narcissist uh game publishing (laughs) narcissism hey if it's a fun Um, game that's all that matters i think the i think the correct term is vanity publishing (laughs) if you want to get specific right Vanity publishing. No, it's a uh, it's a 1940s noir style detective game called Detective City of Angels, and it launches on Kickstarter uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and and it looks super awesome. Uh, um, and we want to spend some time uh, again. I'm jumping the gun here. What we want to talk about with you tonight is actually it, it looks like an incredibly intensely thematic game, and that's one of the things we wanted to talk with you about. Um, but but I, I'm not ready to get into those sorts of details yet. I, I want to gush for a minute over the amazing art, just the absolutely astounding art. Tell us about the artist. So the artist is someone who I kind of got like a bucket list of artists I like dream of working with. And one of them at the very top of the list was uh, Vincent Dutrait. And so, you know, about a year ago, I sent him an email <laughs> thinking he'd be like, and who are you? Do you are you Asmodee or Fantasy Flight? No, okay, well, uh, moving on. But no, he was uh, gracious and warm and excited about the project. 
And so Vincent, um, who has done, who's just such a fantastic artist, uh, has handled all the art for Detective City of Angels. And one of the best things about Vincent as an artist is the amount of research he does. Um, and so all of the art in the game is 1940s period. I mean, the hats, the suits, the weapons, uh, everything. I mean, he, he watched L.A. Confidential and Chinatown, and, and we've, we've been through, you know, uh, images from that period. So he, he has brought a level of authenticity to the game and to the art that I, I just couldn't, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't have even imagined. I, I knew I wanted to work with Vincent, but he, it's, it's, his art is so good. It is, it's so good. Yeah, uh, uh, just unlike anything I've ever seen before. I, has he done any other games? I, I just, I guess I don't know. Yeah, Vincent. Yeah, okay. uh, he did Lewis and Clark. Uh, he did the cover for the the new Robinson Crusoe oh. edition that came out. Yeah. Uh, he did all the art for the Prophecy of Dragons Time Stories module. Oh, cool. Um, he's done. I mean, you look him up on BGG. He's done a ton. I'm not even mentioning. You know, uh, uh, you know, eighty percent, eighty to nine percent of the stuff he's done. Got so. it. Right on, so, yeah. Sounds cool. Um, yeah, so uh, so the game's going live tomorrow. Um, tell us, well, I, gosh, I, I think we're going to be talking more about the game a little bit later uh, in the show um, in terms of how it works, so I'll hold off on asking that question. Sure. Um, I, I have to ask, uh, what, what have you been uh, playing lately? What's been hitting your table? Uh, I don't really play games anymore because I make them and publish them. <laughs> <laughs> which is not entirely true but it kind of is we have a weekly game night which i have like not gone to in weeks and weeks i'm actually going to go play tonight um which is which is really exciting okay. uh, so but let's see some of the stuff i have managed to play i just tried seventh continent uh for the first time Okay. Loved it. If we're talking about thematic games, actually, all the stuff I've been playing is really thematic. I, um, I just got my copy of this War of Mine from Awaken Realms. And oh yeah. Played that, and man, I haven't even dug into that, but that's super thematic. That's yeah. fantastic. I'm um, a big fan of the the video game, but I haven't played the the tabletop version. So yeah, so the video game was really dark for yes. me. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Like, I think I stopped playing it because I was like, man, this game is so cool, but I don't think I can stand to turn away the grandmother in the cold because I don't have enough food for my own people again. I know, it's so gut-wrenching, isn't it? It totally yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and that period actually is of some interest to me, the um, Balkan Wars, uh, the Civil War, the, the yeah. in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and all that stuff. And so I've actually done... You know, you know, studied a lot about that history, and man, it's such a twisted, nasty, dark conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I discovered playing the board game is that the darkness is somewhat lessened. Um, I, I don't know if it's because it's on a tabletop, and mm. it's the video game is you know it, it's you know animated and moving, and there's like really ominous music and and all this other stuff. But it's, for some reason, the board game, while it's still very dark, like many dark things happen to us while we played. Mm -hmm. I think a group of soldiers uh, used this as target practice Ooh. during 
at one one point. Um, but it, it didn't feel nearly as grim. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. The way you interact with that with that story and that theme is completely different on your tabletop. Um, then, yeah, you're right. Seeing animation, hearing the music, that everything about it totally on the computer where I played it was just, yeah, ominous, it, 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 to put it mildly. Um, and then I've been playing Mintworks with my children. Oh, I don't so, know that one. So Mintworks is... Man, I'm going to screw up the name of the company. I think it's like A54 Labs, A24 Labs, something like that. Justin, who's the designer publisher? Justin Blesky, something like that. I'm sorry. Um, it, it, it comes in this tiny little tin, like the size of a, uh, uh, gosh, what are those little mints? Those are curiously strong mints. Altoids. Yeah. Altoids, yes. It comes in an Altoid-shaped tin. And there's a ton of game in a very tiny tin. It's basic, uh, very tiny tin. It's basically worker placement, uh, but your workers are mints, and you're building the city of Mintopia. Oh. <laughs> um, it plays really quick. It's in a super compact package. I think it only costs about 10 bucks. And he just had a Kickstarter where uh, he did the second edition, not the second, the, the next, uh, the sequel to the game called Mint Delivery, which is, that's a pick up and deliver game. And oh, I did see that. Yeah, I think I saw that too. Like Two hundred grand for this <laughs> tiny tin. Like it's just, it was absurd. Um, I'm, I'm super happy for him. It's a great little game. So I've been wow. playing that with my kids. Right on. Cool. Well, uh, let's uh, let's talk about our theme, thematic, uh, or I should say, topic. Our, our thematic game design. You you wanted to talk with us about what it's like yes. to to focus on that. So so. Um, I don't even know where to start the conversation. What are your thoughts? Uh, don't do it. Oh, good. Idea. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this it sounds is, like our discussion um, on so, player elimination. Yeah. It's bad. Okay, we're done. <laughs> so it's and it's one of the reasons, like, as a company, even though uh, Van Ryder Games is a... We, we, we publish thematic games. We, we present ourselves as a thematic game publisher. We request and ask people to uh, pitch us thematic games, but we are rarely pitched super thematic games. And, the, and one of the reasons why is creating a thematic game is two to three times as much work as a normal design. Um, because not only are you having to refine the underlying mechanisms, which you have to do with every game, but you are having to do an, an enormous amount of extra work to tie that to uh, theme, and when it's done really well, the mechanisms um, the mechanisms inform the theme. Like it's not just like, for example, Agricola is, is a great game. I love it, but it's not thematic. I do not feel like a 14th century farmer in France or wherever it is. Um, you could retheme that to be zombies or in space or whatever. Um, it is not. It is not thematic, but. Um, Thematic games, the really good ones, they tie their mechanisms to theme really strongly. And that requires a significant amount of extra work that you don't normally find in uh, game designs. So my initial comment, don't do it, was yeah. <laughs> more like, even though I love thematic games and I love designing them, and I really can't design games that aren't really thematic, I, I'm drawn to it like a moth to the flame. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is you end up creating these just beasts 
Like, they're just so huge. Detective City of Angels is so massive. And I'm, even though I love it and it's a, such a great, fantastic game, I, I designed the game that I hope wanted to exist and wanted to play. But it, it is so much work. It is so much work. So, so. let's let, let's try and let's try and uh, put a definition to to the term thematic game, um, and and I think some people might say that it's a game where theme is more important than mechanics. And I don't think that's true. No, I agree with you. I <clears throat> we I always use the term theme. The theme justify and the mechanics. The themes justify the mechanics, right? The, and and yeah. vice versa. Right? And vice versa, right? And that's what Evan's talking about, right? You can't just say. Oh, let's. It'd be cool if in this detective game this happened, but it's completely not thematic, right? So, because then players like it takes them out, right, Evan? I mean, it pulls you out of the theme when you have to go. This mechanic is is cool, but it's got nothing to do with being a detective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we spend a lot of t- in the development process, especially for detective and for other games. We spend a significant amount of time justifying the me- mechanisms that are there, and sometimes. If, especially if the mechanisms aren't necessarily crucial to the way the game runs, we throw them out if they do not have a strong thematic tie-in. So every single time we're coming up with a mechanism, it isn't just like, oh, well, we need to have something that generates you two points over here. It's like, no, what does that mean? What does that mean for a detective in 1940s uh, Los Angeles? And inevitably, even with thematic games, you're going to have to create a level of abstraction with the mechanisms. Like, not everything is going to be perfect yeah um but you're trying to find mechanisms and create a system in a game that does evoke the sense of in this case being a detective in 1940s uh los angeles with very noir it's you're very corrupt you're bribing snitches you're looking for leads all that kind of stuff so all the mechanisms are trying to evoke that feeling Okay. So how, how do you do that? I mean, I assume it's more than just read the flavor text and take the action, right? Right. It is not, it is not just uh, flavor text. Um, it, it's, so uh, here, here's a concrete example. Um, we, early on in the design pro- process, had a problem with downtime. Okay. Um, each detective takes their turn one at a time. Um, and while everybody's usually super engaged with the mystery, they're trying to solve the mystery first. It's a competitive mystery-solving game, so they're not working together. Um, even though all the players normally were super involved, and they even the downtime didn't feel that bad because everybody was spending that downtime thinking about the case and, oh, what am I going to do and what's really going on? It still presented an issue that uh, players' turns were taking too long, and so it'd be like 15, 20 minutes before it got around to you, especially in the higher player counts, hmm. plays up to five. Um, that we, I, had, I needed to come up with something that would alleviate that sum. So I thought to myself, this is a situation where the theme really informed the mechanisms. I thought, okay, well, what, what is something I can do? What would a detective be do- doing if he's waiting around? I thought, well, maybe he could bribe a snitch to go listen in on the other detective's conversations. He's got, you know, he's got a lackey or a snitch, and he he pays him money and says, okay, I want you to follow that guy around, and I want you to report back what he's doing. 
And so that became a, a central mechanism in the game that now when it is other players' turns and they're questioning suspects and, and asking um, and getting responses, you, you're actually quite involved in that you have an option to potentially bribe a snitch and listen in on the conversation they're having. Um, if you have the money and you're willing to pay. And so that's a decision point you're constantly making on other players' turns, which, one, is super thematic, and two, keeps you in the game. See, and I thought you were just going to go with you just drink whiskey uh, on the other on the other players' turns. <laughs> so I tried, to, I tried to – actually, I worked really hard to kind of – create like uh vices for each of the detectives <laughs> like you have a gambling problem you have a drinking problem uh you're you know addicted to the gun the gun mall down the street you know you can't you know <laughs> you can't you can't quit her even though she's bad news uh-huh. uh, you're, you're corrupt so i actually tried to create those things and could not figure out how to way a way to fit it into this the first this edition of the game so uh, hopefully we'll save that for expansions. Oh man, I hope so. I hope so. It comes with a flask. It, it, <laughs> yeah, the flask with the logo on it. You got to get the expansion. Just should be in a flask. Like that's that's what the box should look like. A flask. You could show Dice Hate Me what's up when they never made a game with a coffee can. You're like, well, ours has a flask. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with uh, Kickstarter's terms of service. If I'm allowed to sell alcohol. Oh, no, no. Put the game in the flask, not the actual alcohol. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Man, that is going to be... This is a big game, Jason. That's going to be a massive flask. Well, I'm saying it's an expansion, right? For the expansion, that's what, you know... Uh-huh. The Vice expansion, and it comes in a flask. So, Rob, what you were saying earlier is how do you create, you know... You know, I kind of gave an example of one yeah. instance where... We had to find a the, the theme actually helped generate a mechanism that helped us solve a key problem with the game. Um, but one of the probably my benchmark for is the game thematic is is honestly super subjective. It's whether I feel it's thematic, hmm. um, and part of that is because I immerse myself in these worlds. So I'm a huge film noir fan. I've watched tons tons of film noir movies. Uh, I read all the work, most of the works of James Elroy, who wrote the L.A. Quintet and uh, L.A. Confidential. Yep. Got da- you got Dashiell Hammett. Yep. Uh, Raymond Chandler. Uh, I played, loved, and played Rockstar's uh, video game L.A. Noir, um, mm-hmm. which was a huge influence on Detective City of Angels. So I've spent so much time in that world that I know what I want it to feel like, and so a big a big, uh, you know, kind of true north as you're designing the game is, does this generate, does this make me feel like I feel when I'm reading L.A. Confidential by James Elroy? Does this make me feel like uh, when I'm interrogating suspects in L.A. Noir? Does this make me feel like those moments that leads are uncovered in L.A. Confidential, the movie? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so hopefully... Uh, because I do love these, you know, this theme in these worlds, um, that that's a good benchmark. So that when, if I can say, yes, this makes me feel uh, like a detective in the 40s in Los Angeles, hopefully that in turn means that uh, other players, when they play it, will also 
get that same get that same feeling. Or I've made a game just for myself, and everybody's <laughs> like, "What? This doesn't feel like noir at all." <laughs> um, I, I have to geek out about some some classic noir films for a minute. Um, uh, okay, so uh, uh, all right, builders, if you're not a fan of noir movies, either. Would maybe just just go just don't listen to like the next five minutes, okay? Because I might talk about some, I don't know. Anyway, it, it does at, at any point does anybody in the game stick a switchblade up somebody else's nose and cut their nostril? Does that ever happen? Uh, not yet. Not yet. But the character, the the big detective on our cover of the game has a piece of tape over the bridge of his nose. Good. Yes. Okay. Good. All right, Jason. That's Chinatown, by the way. I'm not stupid. Okay, I'm right, just making sure. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about the the Switchblade expansion, where it comes with an actual Switchblade. That sounds safe. Yeah, <laughs> for kids, eight and up. Yeah, logo Switchblade. There you go. Um, oh gosh. Uh, um, so at some point, uh, I feel like the main character needs to uh, needs to get knocked out. Because uh, that happens in basically every noir movie ever made. Yeah, that's one of the rules of noir. Um. Uh, all right. Have you seen Brick? I hope you've seen Brick. I've seen Brick. Okay. Good. Brick is like my favorite favorite noir film ever. Um. So. Yeah. So a lot of the writing we did was super. Was some of the language I used initially on my first pass with the game was almost as thick as some of the dialogue in Brick. Oh, good. Because it's. And then, yeah. Well. No. Well. No. Hold on. I'm going to walk that back a oh. little bit. <laughs> and then. Uh, AJ, who is uh, AJ Porfirio, who's the president of Van Ryder Games, my partner, and uh, he he does a lot. He's done a lot of development work on this. He would constantly be like, "What does this mean? What is this term? This doesn't make." And I'm like, "But it's a cool nor term." He's like, "Dude, this is way too much." Yeah. So that sounds like, like AJ. It, <laughs> like Brick is great. Yes. But Brick is not super user friendly. Oh it, yeah. It, asks so much of you and that's why it's so um, good yeah but that doesn't really work well for a gameplay <laughs> or rules <laughs> like here's an example for example uh detectives and private investigators or whatever were called dicks you know back yeah in the fourth, I mean, they were yeah and so i had that word throughout everything it was oh, like, oh no, you dick. can't do that it's oh, just oh, too bad like, you play as a dick. <laughs> like I mean, it's you just like use the word "dick" a oh. lot less than you do. <laughs> <laughs> like oh. I get that it's a noir term, but there's going to be people who are not, or just going to giggle, and they're not going to be able to get past the fact right. that it, this paragraph has the word "dick" in it four times. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and now I'm just like burning through all these movies in my head. Like I. Uh, I think I, I saw the Maltese Falcon for the first time like four years ago and it blew my mind. It's so good. This is going to be blasphemy to you guys, uh, but I'm I'm a huge fan of neo-noir rather than the older yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Things like Memento. And you can hate me for it, but The Big Lebowski, which is, is, a, oh, yeah. is a straight up noir film. It's I mean, it's neo-noir. Right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's, uh, you know, uh, that's the kind of stuff that really speaks to me because I like the plots like yeah, that yeah. you know what i mean the the i like densely the, um, interwoven 
Right. And I, yeah. I just like the, the kitschy stuff that has to happen, right? Like that checklist you got, the drinking game of yeah. this must happen and this must happen, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bangs. And all oh, those. yeah. One of my favorite it's films. Great. Oh yeah. my gosh. That uh, is so good. I haven't seen that in a while. I need to watch that again. Oh man. It's so it's good. So good. <laughs> that was, that was Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback. It was. Movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that was, uh, and, uh, gosh, who else? Oh, Corbin Burnson isn't that? Yeah, right. People don't say enough good stuff about Corbin Burnson. Okay, yeah. that guy is fantastic. Yeah. I know he's weird, but he's great. It's kind of a comeback for Val Kilmer too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he was really good in that. So oh, all right, I could just Have do this seen, for hours. I know. Have you? Did you see the new one? What, who is it with Russell Crowe in it? The new the good guys the. Yeah, I think it was the uh, nice guy. The nice guys. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. that, but I I need to. It's on my list. Yeah, I've heard oh, that's good. Really good. Yeah, that's, is that Shane Black? Is that the same guy who did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? That is Shane. Was Black. it okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I wasn't sure. Yes, Shane Black is is fantastic. What? There was another movie. Oh, he did Iron Man three, which yeah. was not well, noir, was but fine. was yeah, it was, was good. really good. So oh, you yeah, guys liked it. I hated it. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly better than Iron Man two. Well, yeah. That could be very fair. I do not even remember Iron Man 2. I think I have just blocked that out of yeah, my... it's best brain. forgotten. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, all right. All right. Okay. okay. Back back on track. Back on track. All right. Uh, so so um, what tips would you have for a game designer who wants to get into thematic stuff? Um, you, have to, you have to design in what you know. Um, be, because you are trying to recreate an experience... You've got to be super familiar with what that experience that you're trying to create is. So if you're trying to create a thematic fantasy game, you should, man, you, you should just love, you know, Tolkien, and Game of Thrones, and fantasy movies, and all that other stuff. Um, if you're not, in, in some sense, an armchair expert on the theme you're going for, I, I think you're going to struggle to create a, a truly thematic game. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll That's be able point. to pay lip service to the theme, but if it's not something that you love and are passionate about and have really immersed yourself in, uh, then you're going to be missing out on uh, your, your biggest asset, which is, does it make you feel like these other experiences that you love? Um, which, to me is one of the hallmarks of, you know, thematic game design. Sure. You know, it, it, on a related note, if I can talk about Saloon Tycoon for a minute. Um, w- one thing that people criticized me about uh, early on in, in development and in testing of Saloon Tycoon, um, and, and even after after released, I got some feedback from people saying this and saying, you know, how can you consider a floor is done even when it doesn't have a roof on it? And I know, what, what you know, once you get to the third floor, you put a roof on it and it's done. But they said, but... But it's not done. It's not you're not finished building it when there's no roof, even if it's just a single floor. And and I had an answer to that dispute because because I I love westerns and I, I love that time in American history and I've done so much reading and, and watched again so many movies, read so many books and all that kind of stuff. And and the answer is that most structures, especially saloons in the old west, were just a tent with a, a wooden floor and a wooden front. Yep, absolutely. And so most of those structures didn't actually have a roof 
and they wouldn't have bothered to spend the time and the money uh-huh. to build that on there until the downtown area was developed and and they knew that this 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 right. uh uh store wasn't going anywhere it wasn't just going to get blown away right well and when they were out in the far-flung places like deadwood right yeah like the point was you needed to do something to make money and if you were going to open a saloon you were going to carry whiskey and other alcohol out with you you weren't going to worry about boards right yeah right like because hey (laughs) one's going to make you money the other is just going to put up a structure that's unnecessary yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so i i agree 100 percent with with what you just said there that know knowing your theme and and i don't certainly i I, it sounds to me like detective is is much more densely thematic even than saloon tycoon was um and and so thinking about the effort that I put into that and then hearing what you've put together, I, it, it sounds like, like you've really got something that's really going to pay off. I, I think if you want to be a detective in a noir setting, uh, I'm not, I, you're, you're not going to find anything better than, than this game. Um, and you mentioned LA noir, uh, that rockstar game. Um, I think that was a game that that looked better than it played, and a game that whose story was better than its gameplay. Um, it, to, to, if I can be critical of that for a minute, I think I think it was an awesome world that they built. the 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 realization of of Los Angeles in that era that they put together was great. All of the actors in it were great, but I think the gameplay it just didn't come through for me. So so yeah so. Um, I, I think I think City of Angels that that you've got here is much more appealing to me than what L.A. Noir turned out to be personally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they did a massive that they did a massive amount of research. I, I did, yeah, I, I read a little bit about how they built that game, um, and they did they did an enormous amount of research when they were building that city. And it, yeah, uh, L.A. Noir coming out to on uh, PS4 and Xbox. Uh, one I think later this year actually I know I yeah. am so excited yeah if it's not too cheap I'll, or if, I should say if it's not too expensive I might pick it up again just to just to see that facial animation on a better console that I think can really yeah. do a better job on it because that facial animation is just un, unparalleled it's really amazing yeah. Um, but we are we are uh, 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 spending way too much time gushing over <laughs> that stuff um, we need you to now pitch us on this game alright so Picture a detective game. It is scenario based. It is not a it is not a pure deduction game, like Clue. So it's it's scenario based. Um, uh, it comes with a book full of cases, and uh, uh, in this game, the unique, the thing that makes this game unique, that makes it different from all other mystery solving games, is that. Not only are the detectives, the detective players, competing with one another to see who solves the case first. It is not cooperative. They're not working together. They're actually working against one another. They're stealing evidence to to try to uh, solve the mystery first. Whoever solves the mystery first wins. But there is an additional player called the chisel. And the chisel plays against all of the detectives. The chisel uh, is... uh, answers for the suspects controls how all of the suspects answer when they're questioned so as the detectives move around the city investigating things and and asking suspects questions about the case the chisel has a massive grid uh it's in a booklet it's in the the chisel booklet which they can uh which shows 
every possible answer they can give for any question that a suspect can be asked. And some of those answers are the truth, and some of those are lies or misdirections. So depending on where any given detective is in solving the case, the chisel can custom you know, pick which response that detective is going to get, hopefully leading them down a rabbit trail that will prevent them from solving the case in the amount of time. And the chisel wins the game if none of the detectives can successfully solve the case. So that is uh, Detective City of Angels' unique proposition. That sounds neat. Um, Interesting. It's it's almost like uh, like um, betrayal on a house on the hill where one player is the bad guy, right? But but with it actually being competitive, that that's interesting too. I, I guess I just assumed it was a, a co op game, but that's not true. You can play it cooperatively if that's what your group wants, but the game was designed to be played competitively. Yeah. Most of the mechanisms designed, the bribing, all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> is you like ratting on and bribing other detectives to get ahead of them yeah that that immediately like doubles my excitement for this because because my, my friends and i don't i mean we play co-op games now and then but we don't really get into them we prefer the competitive stuff so yeah i know you designed saloon tycoon right <laughs> <laughs> huh. so so yes it is it is it is competitive now it, it it can be played co-op. It can actually even be played solo. We're including a solitaire book, a paragraph book, similar to Tales of the Arabian the Nights, uh, in the box. And so players can play it, even play it solitaire. Right on. Uh, so tell us more about how it actually plays. What's the, like? Describe a turn for us. So, um, so the chisel doesn't actually take turns. You know, they sit behind the table with their master book. They have perfect knowledge of the crime. They know everything that's going on um, as they try to mislead the detectives. But um, each of the detectives, on their turn, uh, they take four actions. And there's a massive, beautiful map that Vincent Dutrade is doing for us um, of Los Angeles. So it's a, it's a map of the city, and there are 100 locations in the city. Um, now, wow. a given case in the game is only going to take place over a certain number of locations. But you have the option to go anywhere within the city that you want. So it's got this kind of open-ended sandbox feel to it. Um, but each detective uh, is going to take four actions. And those actions are going to involve moving around the city. They're going to involve searching locations for evidence. Uh, they're going to involve uh, asking uh, suspects questions searching suspects perhaps you want to frisk a suspect and see if they're hiding a weapon or something uh and then finally going to mob joints like casinos and dive bars and getting kickbacks so you're calling in your protect that's how you make money in the game <laughs> well, that's cool <laughs> is you go to your mob uh you, you go to your mob kick, uh lackeys uh and get their and, and get their protection money from them um so you take four actions, and then it moves on to the next detective. Uh, each detective gets, you know, uh, one turn, one full turn for the day, and then each, and then when the day marker hits zero, that's when time is run out, um, and the chisel is one. And the number of days you play uh, scales based on how many players are in the game. Makes sense. Okay. Nice. <clears throat> nice. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So, so is everything driven from by by the chisel's responses, or 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 
I have to assume there's more factors in there that, that the detectives are interacting with. So, um, the, each case is a tightly pre-constructed puzzle with multiple oh. pathways to solve it, usually. Um, it's each, each case is kind of like a labyrinth. Uh, and they can be solved different ways. So one detective might go off to one side of the city and be investigating something completely different, and, th- and they could potentially reach the solution doing that, while another detective is somewhere completely else investigating something different. Um, and the chisel is just uh, answering for the suspects. He has There are predetermined responses that he can give. Uh, sometimes if a certain given suspect doesn't know anything, like if you ask the sweet old lady, if she's seen the murder weapon before, she's never seen it. So there's, there's not like a bunch of lies. There's no reason for her to lie. So in that Mm. case, the chisel doesn't have any options. They, They just have one response they give, but for the more duplicitous suspects in the game, each of them can have up to four different responses for each question that they can be asked. Um, which gives... And what's really cool about playing the chisel is not only they get actually they get better the more they've played the game. Um, for the detectives, they can only experience the game once or, or the case a case once as a detective. Sure. But the chisel actually benefits from having played it multiple times and can then take the game and play as the chisel with a completely different group. So there's replayability there, um, but. Depending on how the investigation goes, uh, the chisel might give one detective a completely different answer to the exact same question than a different detective, depending on what kinds of information uh, each of them has gotten. So each detective is going to have their own little piece of the puzzle, and those pieces are going to overlap sometimes, but none of them is going to have the full picture. So each detective has to be efficient and smart and the kinds of questions they ask and the areas they go to investigate in order to use their time wisely to be able to uh, come to the solution. Nice. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Evan, um, uh, we are about out of time. So um, tell us again how people can find Detective. Tell us about, again about the Kickstarter. Uh, uh, tell us how they can find you, how they can find Bandwrider Games. Give us all those plugs. So, most important plug is if this game sounds interesting, if you would like to play as a detective in 1940s Los Angeles, I 100% promise you this game will give you that experience. Um, You can find us on Kickstarter starting tomorrow, or depending on when you listen to this episode, probably right now. Um, (laughs) October 10th. uh, October 10th through, I think the campaign is going to be 22, 23 days. Oh, fast one. Into early November. Um... Just go to Kickstarter and search Detective City of Angels. Uh, it should pop right up. You can also find us online at vanridergames.com. That's writer with a Y, so V-A-N-R-Y-D-E-R, uh, games.com. You can find us on Twitter, at vanridergames. And then I'm on Twitter, at Evan Derrick, E-V-A-N-D-E-R-R-I-C-K. All right. Cool. Uh, so uh, we'll do our final plug. So uh, uh, you can uh, find building the game uh, at uh, boy. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm I'm I messed up my normal closing rhythm here. Um, okay, we are on Twitter at podcast BTG. Jason is at J A Slingerlin. I am at poorly underscore designed. 
Uh, like us on Facebook. Call our Google Voice number, 770-TEL-BTG. Go to our website, buildingthegamepodcast.com. Uh, you can send us an email to buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. And... Um, and you can pick up a copy of Saloon Tycoon from Van Ryder Games. Oh, we didn't talk about the ranch expansion. Oh, crap. Oh, yes. <laughs> that should be coming soon, though, right? That's coming soon. So it's it's at the menu, it's at the printers right now and uh, should be coming off pretty soon. So if not, if it's not going to be available, backers should be getting it. If not at the end of this year, first thing next year. I'm still not sure on the timeline. We're waiting to hear back from them, but it is coming very soon. Very and soon. And it looks really cool. It looks amazing. We have talked about that a lot on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, okay. That's enough. Evan, thank you so much again for joining us. I'm pretty stoked about this game, and uh, I, I think it's going to do well for you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, thanks so much for having me on. I love, uh, always love talking about game design and people who uh, at least pretend to be interested in what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that's awesome. all. So, thanks so much. Thank you. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast.